Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the Sports Card Strategy Show. Yeah, 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 I know. Fanatics bought tops. Blah, blah, blah. You can get that information elsewhere. Today, we're talking about vintage autographs and my man, Irvin Magic Johnson. We're talking about LaMelo Ball. We're going to count down also the top five soccer cards to buy in 2022, and it's not what you expect, although 2022 is the year of soccer cards. But 2022 is also the year of player prospecting, and player prospecting will pay off for your sports card investments in 2022, which is why you need to go to nooffseason.com slash invest. Of course, we will take questions from our audience mailbag. We're going to look at a couple of releases, Bowman MLB Draft and NBA Hoops with fresh rookies in their pro uniforms. And we'll talk a little bit about a hot take that I have on our guy, Antonio Brown. But first, let's thank our sponsor of the show, the number one sponsor of the show, marketmoversapp.com by Sports Card Investor, where you can go to save 20% by using the promo code NOOFFSEASON. It is the best place to track the data of your collection and your investments, and you can learn who to buy low and when to sell them high. So use the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase, at marketmoversapp.com to save 20% in 2022. And when you combine that with our new sports card investment report, which I update every day, in spite of the dates that are on the posts, I update them every day. So look for that. Go to nooffseason.com slash invest. When you combine that with the data at marketmoversapp.com, you have the perfect formula to make money on your sports card investments. Go to nooffseason.com slash invest and check out a free one-day trial of our sports card investment report. You get the top 50 and all the write-ups. All right, let's jump into today's show. Yo, yo, all right. I'm not the only one in the sports card world right now saying that 2022 is the year of soccer cards. Uh, We all saw it coming. I definitely saw it coming a year ago. Um doing a little bit of research on the 2022 World Cup, and uh, it'll be basically uh, 11 months from today-ish, and um, soccer cards have been heating up for a long, long time. There's international superstars that are becoming more and more recognizable. Uh, There's more than just Messi and Ronaldo now. You've got Mbappe, you've got Erling Haaland, but... I am going to drop my top five soccer cards to buy right now in 2022 leading up to the 2022 World Cup. I think that the five that I'm about to drop to you are the best five to buy. I'm going to count them down from five to one, and I'm going to tell you why to avoid Erling Haaland. Let's kick it off with why to avoid Erling Haaland. Now, um, you might think I'm crazy. The dude is definitely the top footballer right now in the world. He's scored 19 times in 16 games this year. He's going to be able to likely pick his team. Everyone wants him from Man U to Chelsea to FC Barcelona. I personally would love it if he goes to FC Barcelona. It would shine a huge spotlight back on La Liga, which is my favorite league, of course, because I live in Spain. 
So I'm a little bit biased. But the reason why you need to avoid Erling Haaland is actually one that's pretty easy to figure out when you think about it. Not only are his prices super, super high, but he is not going to be really in the 2022 World Cup. Uh, he's Norwegian, and Norway is really nowhere to be found in the World Cup uh, standings, qualifiers, whatever. And I'm looking at the favorites here, and I don't even see Norway anywhere in like the top 50. So I'm looking at the, the favorites, uh, no nowhere near top 50. I just don't see... Erling Haaland having any kind of impact in the 2022 World Cup. And honestly, the 2022 World Cup is going to be what drives the soccer card market in 2022. So let's count down the top five from five to one in terms of who to buy. And we're going to start with my main man, Ansu Fati. The dude is still only 18 years old. He is the face of FC Barcelona. He's a scoring machine. The only thing going against Fati is that he has had about the last year and a half stolen from him related to knee injuries. And so uh, there's a lot of people that are down on Fati. There's a lot of Debbie Downers out there in the in the card market. And I think that's fine. I think that makes him an amazing buy. Because if you look at Spain, uh, Spain is in the top five in terms of favorites to win the 2022 World Cup, and Fati is going to be one of the best players on that Spanish national team. The cards to buy, yes, you've got some tops Chrome rookies, but really his Mega Cracks base, his Panini Mega Cracks base is like his true rookie, and that's actually started to tick up just a little bit in recent uh, days, weeks, etc., but... Um, any any graded Ansu Fati rookie, I think. Uh, any, sorry, any graded Mega Cracks 2019 Fati is going to be a great card to buy right now, whether it's SGC or PSA graded. Um, there's also the uh, Este Colecciones um, base sticker. So the 2019 Panini Colecciones Este base sticker is uh, more affordable than the Mega Cracks, but these are his true Spanish La Liga rookie cards. Um, they are not overproduced. Uh, the American cards are much overproduced. Um, the third card I might consider buying is his Panini Contenders rookie ticket, just just because it is uh, the Contenders brand, which is popular, and it's a good-looking card, and it does say rookie ticket on it, and it's affordable in PSA 10, so you can snag a PSA 10 of that card for less than $200 right now. It's, it's on the uptick just a little bit, which I think is a good sign that the FATI market is very, very healthy. And um, there would be a lot more hype around Fati had he not been injured. So I think this could be a great time to buy Ansu Fati. He is my number five best soccer card investment of 2022. Uh, the fourth best investment of 2022 is Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe has cooled off. He was definitely the darling coming out of the 2018 World Cup. He was expected to do wonders in the... Uh, uh, FIFA tournament in 2020, but uh, he didn't he didn't uh, come through for France, but that's okay. Uh, what that did was it made this card much more affordable, and this is the PSA 10 World Cup 2018 World Cup sticker pink back. 
uh, which used to be two or three times this price about a year ago, has gone down to under $300. There's also a gray back sticker that's similar price. And then there's a black back and a gold front variation. The reason I like all four of those 2018 World Cup stickers of Mbappe is because they're not mass-produced and uh, they are hard to grade. So if you get get them in PSA 10, it's a great investment. Um, and I say they're not mass-produced. They're not mass-produced compared to just look at all these stupid variations of his American Panini Prism cards. Um, I, I just don't... I'm just not a huge fan of the World Cup American version. I think... Uh, to be true, to be authentic, you got to go uh, sticker, 2018 Russia sticker uh, for France. That's going to be the card to own. That's going to be the card that gets most heavily transacted uh, a little under a year from now in the 2022 World Cup. Great price to buy those Kylian Mbappe cards. All right, the number three best soccer player to invest in. In 2022, might be someone that you haven't even heard of yet. It's Pedri. He plays for FC Barcelona in La Liga, and he is on the Spanish national team. He's featured in our sports card investment report, and Pedri has several available cards in America. And then he also has his Spanish mega cracks and Spanish stickers, which I'll show you in a minute. But uh, his Mosaic rookie card is a good investment that can be had for um, super cheap right now. Raw, there's not many of them graded. And then Tops produced some uh, UEFA Champions League. And then there is a Panini Obsidian and uh, Mosaic La Liga Silver version. Uh, not many Pedri cards graded, so if you can find some Pedri cards graded, um, I would I would highly in, uh, recommend taking a look at those. Um, the, this is the Mega Cracks in PSA 10. I wouldn't necessarily pay uh, this much money for it in terms of the four thousand dollar offer right there, but I would bid on a Mega Cracks rookie um, and try to get them for under fifty dollars. I think that they will be worth far more that far more than that. You can see here in SGC nine. Uh, $100 or best offer. Here's another one, $75 or best offer for an SGC9. Here's $50 or best offer for an SGC9. I don't think you're going to be able to find many of these um, graded in the top grades for PSA and SGC. So I think 8.5s, 9s, and 9.5s are going to be your best buys. The Mega Cracks quality last year just wasn't really good enough to warrant many 10s. And I think that that's why this one PSA 10 right here is priced so high at uh, $3,800. So the number three overall soccer card to invest in is Pedri. He again is a front man for Spain, like Fati. And then of course Mbappe is number four and he is uh, on France, who is the second best favorite. Now, um, you might be asking yourself, what about USA? Well, USA is in the mix, and my number two best soccer card to invest in is not Christian Pulisic. It's not one of the well-known names on the men's national team for the U.S. It is Yunus Musa, who plays here in Valencia, Spain, in La Liga, where I live, and he is also not only a member of the U.S. men's national team, but he actually was recruited to pick it over England. And England is the in the top five in terms of favorites. It's the third uh, 
third favorite to win the World Cup, and he actually picked the U.S. over England. So there's no way that he doesn't play a role in some way, shape, or form in 2022 helping the U.S. men's national team. And no one is talking about this guy. So you're going to hear it from me here first. Eunice Musa, the number two best soccer card to invest in in 2022. And uh, there are not that many Eunice Musa cards out there. Like Pedri, he was a 2020 rookie. So he's got an obsidian base. He's got a mosaic base with several variations. And he does actually have a Donruss rated rookie uh, and an optic. Uh, and then he also has, like Pedri, he has all of the Mega Cracks and Spanish versions of the Panini cards. He has an Este Stickers base. So any any graded or uh, Starstock A of Eunice Musa, I would highly recommend picking up. And then the number one, which I rave about and you can read about in depth in our Sports Card Investment Report, number one soccer player to invest in in 2022 he plays for Brazil, which is the favorite, and he also plays for Real Madrid. And he's also only in his early 20s. It is Vinicius Jr. He is a top candidate to win the Ballon d'Or, which is the award for the top soccer player in the world. And he's going to be in the spotlight for Brazil in the 2022 World Cup. His card prices are already on the rise, but it's still a great time to buy him because he will continue to be on fire. I personally have invested in several of his Don Russ rated rookies from 2018. There's tons of variations. Uh, you should definitely check out uh, nooffseason.com slash invest and then click on the write-up for Vinicius Jr. to dig in more. Those are my top five. And again, I would avoid Erling Haaland because he's not even going to be a part of the World Cup. Number five is Ansu Fati for Spain. Number four is Kylian Mbappe for France. Number three is Pedri for Spain. Number two is Eunice Musa for the United States of America. And number one is Vinicius Jr. for Brazil. All right, everybody. Again, 2022 is going to be the year of soccer cards. Get in now and do your research more at nooffseason.com slash invest in our sports card investment report. All right, now I want to jump into a specific topic around my man LaMelo Ball. I am a huge fan of LaMelo. I think that he is going to win an NBA championship sometime in the next five or six years. From a player prospecting standpoint, he ranks in the top five, but he's number 21 on my sports card investment report at nooffseason.com slash invest. And I just kind of want to explain my thought process behind why he is below so many other people and why he's all the way down at number 21 when from a player prospecting standpoint, um, he should be in the top five. So I'm all about player prospecting. I think that 2022 is going to be the year that truly you can make some money on player prospecting in the sports card world. But LaMelo is an anomaly, and I want to explain why. When I was doing my research for the Sports Card Investment Report on LaMelo, what I found is that every time there's a new release of a LaMelo rookie card, it drastically drops the value of the previous release to the point where even his high-end rookie releases like Prism have significantly dipped in value over time in spite of his uh strong on the court performance. And so I think that what we're about to see is um, 
further drop in LaMelo card pricing because uh, the releases of Optic and Select that didn't even come out until the beginning of the second season of LaMelo's uh, career um, due to, uh, I guess, print materials or whatever being in shortage. All right, so why are LaMelo cards dropping in value and why will they continue to drop in value? Well, a few different factors. So first of all, every time there's a new card release, inherently it devalues the previous release. So we always see this with, you know, when Donruss comes out, the value of hoops goes down. When Prism comes out, the value of Don Russ goes down. When Optic comes out, the value of Prism goes down. When Select comes out, the va- the value of Optic goes down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So what you had with Lamelo's rookie year was not only did you have multiple releases, but you had uh, Optic and Select come out during his second season. So he's already not even a rookie anymore and he's playing in his second year and then you had optic and select come out and so uh, all of the values that had stabilized from the previous releases hoops don russ prism mosaic etc they all went down again several months later after optic and select came out and then on top of that you have the backlog at psa and you have sgc cranking out grades so um basically now What's going to happen is uh, because Optic and Select came out so late, we've seen one drop in the pricing of the earlier releases, but now we're going to see another elongated drop in the pricing on those other releases because uh, more and more of those cards will get graded. So if we pull up uh, nooffseason.com slash invest and click on LaMelo, I kind of go into this and I talk about how... um, his cards are stabilizing in price, but they're going to drop again because you're about to have so many optic and select cards graded, and there are so many variations of those cards. And so you're going to have low pop count cards that are artificially low because of the backlog. And then when they're population increases, it's going to lower the value of not only that card, but all the previous releases. And so the punchline on LaMelo is that it's going to take uh, probably another 12 to 24 months for the LaMelo pricing market to stabilize. So what I would do if I were you is I would mark 2024 on my calendar as a great time to invest in a lot of different LaMelo ball cards. That's when I would go out and I would buy his prism base and his optic base in PSA 10 or in SGC 10. That's when I'd go out and I'd buy the Don Russ uh, SGC 10s and PSA 10s. Right now you can get those cards for dirt cheap anyway, but I just think that uh, they're going to continue to fall in value uh, because, you know, like I said, each new release outranks the previous release in terms of hype and so even though a new release might not be sold for more than a previous release, a la Select with Prism or whatever, um, the hype around the new release is going to kill the secondary market of the previous release. And then the grading factor, uh, the artificially low pop counts and the backlogs are going to create 
even more of an influx in the market of those cards, which will inherently drop the value of those cards as well as the value of all the releases. So really what we have to do on LaMelo is we have to wait until probably 2024 to invest in LaMelo Ball cards, even though I'd love to scoop a bunch of them up right now. I just think we'd be doing it, even though it's a dip in the market, I think we'd be doing it prematurely because what's about to happen is they're about to go down even more. Uh, I think everyone's going to, panic and make more of a big deal out of that than it actually is. But I think what's going to happen is uh, it's just a sign that the LaMelo market specifically, not the card market, but the LaMelo market specifically is different. And it's going to follow a pattern of uh, just a lot of supply that outweighs the demand. And then all of a sudden it's going to level off. And it should be interesting because uh, around that time he'll be um, three, four years into the league and he could be on the precipice of making some championship runs in Charlotte. That's my prediction. And uh, this is why you should hold off on buying LaMelo cards until 2024. All right. Now I'm about to do something on the show that I've never done before. I am going to buy a Magic Johnson autographed card. He's my all-time favorite player. He is basically unanimously a top Five player in NBA history, a man who changed the game back in the early 1980s when he and Larry Bird came into the league in the same year after facing off in the 1979 NCAA championship game. Irvin Magic Johnson is an icon. He's also iconic in the pop culture world, the business world, and uh will have a legacy that lasts forever, basically. So I'm, I'm extremely excited to buy an Irvin Magic Johnson autograph card. Uh, this will be my second Irvin autograph. Uh, my dad actually got a Sports Illustrated cover signed in 1978 um, when my dad was at Michigan State with Irvin and uh, had him sign it. And so I have that framed in my office. But um, this is going to be my first magic autograph card that I'm about to buy and I want to walk you through the thought process that I've had and give you some things to look out for when you're looking to buy vintage autograph cards. So, uh, you know, the first thing I did was I just searched on eBay Magic Johnson Auto card and you get, you know, there's there's a lot like Magic has signed a lot of autographs. So, from an investment standpoint, you have to be a little bit careful. Um, because there are just so many of them out there. And um, buying an autograph card is not unlike buying uh, any other card in the regards that you want to try to get something that's desirable, uh, that's lower pop count, and uh, you know, go through the multitude of factors. So you know, not unlike a, a Luca or a Zion or a Lamello rookie card where there's just so many different, uh, options to buy and different variations. Um, what I found in doing my research on Magic Autos is that um, there's there's tons of you know quote unquote variations. Like he's been around uh, for now signing autographs for um, you know four decades, and so um, he signed a lot. Um, he signed a lot of cards. He signed a lot of stickers that have been put on cards. He has ultra modern cards like this one that I'm looking at right here. Um, Prism 2020-2021 sensational signatures, uh, you know, sticker auto. Um, 
And what you find as you go through this is that the cards that um, will be surely more valuable 10 to 20 years from now um, are relatively similar in price to the ones that are likely not going to be that valuable 10 to 20 years from now. And so, um, you know, like for example, this Prism 2020-2021 auto, uh, you can buy it now for $150. You can probably get it a little bit lower than that with an offer. But as, as we go through this, you'll see that there are other um, better options because, you know, this is a sticker auto. It's an ultra modern card. Like there's really nothing, there's nothing special about it other than the fact that it is Magic Johnson. Um, there's no, nothing really desirable about it. I don't think this card um, is going to hold up value, but there are um, other Magic Johnson cards uh, that will have value long term, and I'm going to kind of explain why and how I found them, and then I'm going to buy at least one of them in this segment on this show. Um, so all of these lessons that I'm about to tell you, I'm just I, I'm into Urban Magic Johnson, but but your your guy might be Jerry Rice, it might be Tom Brady, it might be uh, Dan Marino, it might be you know Mario Lemieux, right? Like any. Any legend from any sport uh, that you want to try and uh, do this with, I think that you'll find similar results. Um, even though you know that person may or may not have as many autographs as Magic. So um, I'm going to kind of break this down into like three different levels of Magic Johnson cards and explain. Um, why I'm looking at what I'm looking at and then and then why I'm I'm buying what I'm buying on the show. So I think the first thing I'm looking at is is an iconic card. I want an iconic card. And so um it doesn't get any more iconic than uh the rookie card, the true rookie card that is um 1980 tops and it's actually a rookie card of both Magic and Larry Bird. And in the middle um is Dr. J. Uh and uh, this is how Topps made cards that year. And it happens to be actually Magic and Bird's rookie year. And so, I mean, this is like um, essentially like getting a Dwayne Wade uh, and LeBron rookie back in the day, uh, say with Jordan in the middle of it and having them, all three of them sign it. Um, and it's the asking price is $20,000 for this card. My budget is nowhere near that. I'm going to do this on a $500 or less budget. Um, so I am not uh, I am not buying a $20,000 card to flex. I am buying a $500 or less card for my personal collection and something that I do think will um, undoubtedly rise in value throughout the years because I think it's an underrated buy, and we're going to get to that in, in a minute. But uh, you can make an offer on this card. You know, it's probably not going to sell for $20,000, but... Um, there's no doubt that it's an outstanding card. I mean, another thing um, I want you guys to learn a lot from this video, and one thing that I want you to learn is that as we go through this, um, you're, you're only going to want to buy a vintage autograph if it has been authenticated by either PSA or BGS. Um, there are some other companies that authenticate autograph cards, but those are the two the two best um, autograph authenticators in terms of these vintage cards. Um, no disrespect to SGC, they do it as well, but I just think BGS and PSA on the secondary market 
their slabs uh, make a lot more sense for these cards. So as you can see here um, in the PSA label, it's the card itself is actually graded. So there's a difference between a PSA DNA certified auto grade and a card grade that also has an auto grade. And and one of the one of the ways you can differentiate is on the label. You can see that this is an excellent mint six grade. Um, and uh, the auto grade is 10. You very rarely will find an auto grade less than 10. And if you do, I would just rule that card out. So this is all about kind of ruling out which cards we want to buy. And I'm going to, even though this is the most desirable card, I mean, I'm going to rule out buying it because I just don't have the money for it. And then we're going to kind of work towards a similar card that is available for a lot less money. So again, 1980, rookie card, Magic and Bird. Uh, Dr. J in the middle. All three have signed it. PSA has verified that all three have signed it and they have slabbed it um, with an auto grade of 10 and a card grade of 6. Um, so now you'll, you'll see other sort of variations of this card. Like this is another card that all three of them have signed and the autograph has been graded a 10 but the card itself has not been graded. And you can see that if the card was graded, you can zoom in and see like the surface of this card, the corners and the centering of this card are not uh, very good. <laughs> like they're just, they're not very solid. Uh, this is a view, this is kind of a close-up view of the back of the card here. Um, the surface of the back, look at the corners. You can just kind of see it probably wouldn't get much better of a grade than six. Um, you can the interesting play though is that you could buy it for a quarter of the price um or a quarter of the asking price and you could have this card graded so you could send this into PSA and for a $100 uh, I believe for about $100 they would regrade the card and the they would grade the card and regrade the auto so the auto should all get a 10 still and then you'd have a grade on the card and then you'd have a product that looks maybe a lot more like this in terms of a uh, the ability to be able to sell it. And if you compare it to the six, it looks like this card would probably at least get a six. So if you're out there and you're like, you see this card on eBay and you're like um, wanting to make a play, that could actually be a play. Buy this card and then uh, have PSA actually grade the card and regrade the auto. Um, now here is... A, a version of this same card that actually has a PSA 7 grade, which is really solid, but it's only been signed by Larry Bird. So that's why it's available for significantly less. Um, now, what's interesting about this is that you could you could go on eBay and you could see, like, well, what, what does this card sell normally for in PSA 7? Um, so something we could we could actually do that really quick right now. You can see the listings for that card right here are no cheaper than 2500 or best offer. Many of them want more than that. And so that definitely makes it a very desirable card. And if we go to the sold listings of that card recently, we can see that it sells for, in PSA 7, consistently between $1,600 and $2,100 uh, several times in the last few weeks. So if you were wanting to buy that card 
but also have Larry Bird's signature on it, um, you'd actually be putting, getting a pretty good deal. Um, because I would think the bird signature actually would make it worth more. So I think that this is actually a very fairly priced card by the Four Sharp Corners uh, company that's consigning this card. And so I would I actually look at this card and kind of think about, well, my budget's only $500, but you know, for, for a PSA 7 of this iconic card and, and also an authentic Larry Bird auto on it, um, it's interesting. Now, if it were Magic's auto... I'd probably really be struggling with with um, thinking about spending the money, but I just I don't want a bird auto. Like that's not why I came here. I don't want to get distracted, so I don't. I'm not. I'm gonna rule out that card. Now, what's interesting is uh, this is a cool card because it's a Magic Johnson rookie card, right? Um, and it's the same year. You can see the same design, and it's. Uh, Authentic Magic Johnson autograph, and it's a PSA nine, which like so a PSA nine from nineteen eighty, like that's a big big deal, right? So I don't want to rule out this card. I've been watching it for a while actually, and uh, the price is actually pretty right. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't really care that much if I go over my five hundred dollar budget by less than one hundred and fifty dollars. That's that's in the long term scheme of things for me is not that big of a deal. Um, it's just that Ron Boone is a nobody and John Long, um, while he did have a great NBA career, and I actually do know John Long personally, which kind of makes this a uh, cool card for me. Um, they're just not iconic figures, and so it does devalue the Irvin um, piece of this card. And so uh, as a collector, I'm very, very interested in this card. As an investor, though, it's not something that uh, I don't, think would have much value on the secondary market. Um, it's all about finding the right buyer anyway, but um, if we were to go to, you know, over the budget, uh, I'd consider that card, but I just don't, I'm just not sure I could pull trigger. And there's no make an offer. If there was a make an offer and I could get this card for under $500, I'd probably, uh, probably do it. I did, but I wouldn't be as excited about the card just because it's got John Long and Ron Boone. So I'm going to rule that out. I'm going to rule that out. You got to you got to say disciplined here. Um, another one that's really cool is you can see here again, this is an auto 10, but it's the card has also been graded and it's an eight, which is a phenomenal grade for a 1980 tops card. So magic signed it. Julius Irving. It's that Julius Irving um, variation, but it has a, uh, Jan von Bredikoff. Um, so the Jan von Bredikoff, uh variation of this card is obviously makes it less desirable. It, it brings the price down quite a bit. I think this is a fairly priced card based on the comps that I've looked at. Four Sharp Corners seems to be um, pretty reputable in terms of how they price their cards. They're not looking to rip anybody off, and they're not they're not always looking for the highest amount. So. Uh, and they're not, and they're not, you know, they're not too low either, obviously, because they're smart. Um, interesting that the, the shipping on this is fifty dollars. You got to look out for that a little bit. Uh, but I would say this is in this is in the wheelhouse of an iconic card that I would want to get. Again, we talked earlier about like wanting to avoid the ultra modern Urban Magic autographs, just because um, you'll see here in a minute that you can get these uh, these iconic cards, uh, vintage cards for similar similar money. Uh, I'm gonna but I'm gonna pass on it just because of the Jan van Bredikoff piece and because um, 
even though it is graded, even though the card is graded, which makes it desirable. In theory, like any, I could get any of these cards graded, and so I'm just gonna pick up. I don't love the card because of uh, Jan Van Bredikoff, and as good as Doctor J is, like I'm not a huge Doctor J fan. So a thousand dollars, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna go to um, a non-graded version of this card. So like here, here's a good example, right? Like I like that that we had this back to back. So we have the graded version and then the non-graded version and you can see that the non-graded version is half the price um the the same autograph situation same card situation and you could you could easily buy this card and then submit this card to psa for card grading and auto grading and i think that you could get that done for around a hundred dollars and then all of a sudden you've uh, according to this asking price you've now doubled the value of your card. So that that's another play, right? Like I'm not necessarily going to make that play cuz I don't love this card, but that that's another play for you to consider. Um here is a authentic signed version of a card though that's a reprint of the iconic card that I showed you that was going for in PSA 6 for um for $20,000 and for uh, basically six thousand uh, dollars without without the grade, but um, but this is this card is a reprint, but PSA so PSA wouldn't have just graded the card. That's why they clearly put reprint card here. Um, but the autographs are real on the reprint card. So this was a actually signed by Larry, Doctor J, and Magic on a card that's a reprint. Um. $995, you know, this is something I could make an offer on, say for like 700 and feel like that's an interesting thing. I just think that the reprint card <laughs> is not something that people are always going to be excited about paying money for, so I'm going to pass. I'm going to rule that out. Now here's a 1980 Topps um, PSA 8 Auto 10. So again, good that um, good that it, uh, is a PSA 8 Auto 10, but, you know, this one was a $1,000, and the only difference, you know, there's, there's no difference, so this one, you know, this seller wants three times the amount for the same card, so you really just have to do your, really do your due diligence, because again, like, this card is the same card, and you can get it for a third of the price, and this is the exact same card for three times the price. So you just have to be careful. Another iconic card that I really am considering buying in this segment is the 1986 Fleer. So we just went through the 1980 Tops. Now we're going to go to the 1986 Fleer. Uh, there's a couple of these that I've found for sale. Um, this one for $700. It's an old PSA slab, auto grade only. When you look, but So now I haven't found any of these that are card grade and auto grade for sale. I found these two that I'm showing you that are auto grade only. And in this case, if you're going to if you're going to look at which one of these two to buy and they're within $100 of each other and mind you they're each 2 to $300 over my budget. Um I am looking at the actual autograph itself and aesthetically determining which one do I like better uh, with the eyeball test. Um, this this one was is in thicker Sharpie, which uh, 
which is I think more desirable to many collectors. Uh, and then this one is in like it's still Sharpie, but it's like a thinner Sharpie. Uh, but it has a newer PSA slab, slightly newer PSA slab than the one in thicker Sharpie. Um, I'm not gonna let a hundred. I'm not gonna let ninety nine dollars influence my decision too much. It could be a tiebreaker. What's interesting about this one is it's the card's just not in good shape. I mean, it really looks like a PSA four or or five. Like I mean, some of these corners are really really beat up. So the $700 one is really, the card itself is not in great shape. Now the card itself on the $800 one is in much better shape and it's in a newer slab. The autograph's not as desirable. I do think this could be an interesting play. The centering's not great though, so I'm not convinced that that is a phenomenal buy. So I'm just going to kind of move on. I'm going to move on to the same year, but the sticker. And I'm going to point out a few different things. So this is a 1986, same set, but the sticker from that set, which is definitely harder to grade because it's flimsier. And so this is a PSA 8 with an auto 10 in a really cool looking silver Sharpie. And it's going for, buy it now, no offer, $451.99. Now, here's one for $349. Buy it now. These are the same year, 1986 Fleer, which is an iconic set. The variation, though, is that it's the sticker. Um, I don't know much about the pop counts of either of these, but my guess is that the they're, they're very high and that the sticker might be a little bit less than the card. Um, you can see that this one does not have... A grade, and you can see that it's very much off center. Like it's in good condition, but it's very much off center. And you can go through the photographs, and you can see um, that you know what the back of it looks like, the corners, the surface. It's all pretty, pretty solid photos to go through. So, so we're getting closer to what I want to do here because we're in my price range, and we've still got a very iconic, you know, iconic card on card auto. And good-looking signature. These are the kinds of things that I'm looking for in a card in good condition. And obviously authenticated by PSA or BGS. Here's another version of the same card. I, I like the, the signature slightly more. I think that the card is in similar condition. Actually, the corners don't look as good as the other one. And they want more money for it. Here's a fourth version of the same card. Again, only that first one had a card grade. The rest of them only have auto grades. And this one looks like it's in great condition card-wise, great signature, but they want $500 for it, which is more than the one that had the card grade. So you kind of got to you got to ask yourself like, all right, of the 3 that I've shown you without the card grade, would any of them get an 8? And it's very hard to get an 8. Um, and I, so I don't think they would. And then, and then you got this one that like already has an eight and is basically the same price, maybe, uh, 50 to a hundred dollars more. But if you're going to pay a hundred or more dollars to get the card graded and have the auto regraded, you know, that's a wash. So my point is rather than have to get the card graded or have to try to, um, look at the condition of the card within the slab and sort of grade it with the eyeball, it doesn't make sense to spend 
350, 400 or, or especially $500 for a card that's that's not graded <laughs> when you can buy the one that's already a PSA 8, which is an extremely high grade and an auto 10 for $451. So, I'm really 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 thinking that I'm going to go with this card. Uh just going to kind of flush out the rest of this segment, but as of right now this is my card and here's another reason why. Because you look at the card itself in PSA 8 just sold for $200 uh basically earlier today. <laughs> so, same day I'm filming the show, the card the card in PSA 8 sold for $200. So, you got to ask yourself like is Irvin's signature on it? worth $250. And to me, the answer is yes, especially because you'd pay money to ship it to PSA and have them certify that the auto is real. So, and then like actually getting his signature on this card in a condition that's a PSA 8 is probably impossible now, right? Because like finding a raw PSA 8 that he could sign without knowing it's a PSA 8 and then actually having him sign it and having him uh and then and then having PSA authenticate that and grade it as an 8 um is worth $250 like it it would it would cost way more in in money and time um to do that and so I'm really really leaning uh at buying the 1986 Fleer sticker in PSA 8 and I just want to go through a few more before I make the purchase on the segment but um you know that $199 sale actually was up uh from from some sales in December and so i found a few cards that i really really like that i'd never really seen before so star 1983 um this is an auto grade only psa old slab $600 it's over my budget so i'm not going to do it this one's really really sweet it's a 1987 fleer um PSA 9, which is super hard to come by in the first place, and then it's an auto 10 with a really, really cool uh, silver auto. So if I were unlimited budget, no budget, like I might buy this one, but you know, $2,500 just out of my price range. Here's that same card with a cool, uh, cool signature uh, for $388 in a Beckett slab. Um, all things considered, I just think that the 86 sticker for $70 more in, in PSA 8 is just a better deal than that. Um, this is an example of an on-card auto, again, of an ultra-modern card. I just wanted to show you that, again, like, why would you pay $200 for this Panini Revolution from 2021 um, with a sticker auto? Like, why would you do that uh, when you can just simply spend a couple hundred dollars more, which is not going to break anyone's bank for an iconic 1986 Fleer sticker uh, on-card auto, basically. Now, this is the iconic 1980-1981 Topps rookie card, actually just um, with, the per with, with the perforation broken, right? So it's just magic and his signature, on that and it's uh authenticated by Beckett. So that's really cool. That that's in the that was in the running for me. Um $469 for the nineteen eighty tops. It's not the full card though, so it's always gonna get overlooked for the full card. I think these are cool. I'm a big Michigan State fan. That's part of the reason why 
uh, magic is, is so important to me. Uh, this is a, uh, auto grade nine, uh, on a Michigan state card. And the back of it is just this Spartan insignia. So I'm not really sure, uh, what the allure is for me on this card. Uh, other than the fact that I really, really like the photo, I just don't know if it's going to like what kind of card it is. So I'm going to, pass on that now this one actually uh is a gem mint 10 auto from the same same era um and it's 250 dollars but i think it seems like it was made by tops yeah so tops chewing gum so this could be a diamond in the rough right here i kind of i kind of like this and you can make an offer for it so i'm going to keep that I'm going to keep that uh, front and center for something that I might do. This is another interesting one. This one, the card signed. It was made by Topps. Um, so if you look at the back of it, Topps Chewing Gum. So 250 bucks. But again, these are just the auto grades and the cards have no grade. A couple other cards that I really like when I was a kid, the 1989 Hoop Set, the All-Star card, 200 bucks. You can make an offer. Um, but again, these are $200 on each of these cards that could be going towards the more iconic card in the PSA 8. Here's another one, cool purple Sharpie. Whoever had, whatever PR or marketing person had the idea to have Magic sign these cards with a purple Sharpie was a genius because the autograph on card actually perfectly matches the purple Lakers colors on these uh, hoops cards. So this is a 1990 hoops uh, base card with the most valuable player logo. I think this is, I, I could call this a, I could call this an iconic card, at least personally to me. And 100, 150 bucks is, um, compared to what, what you might pay for, a, a, you know, pay 150 bucks for nowadays in the ultra modern world. I, I like this Magic Johnson $150 card, the Beckett slab. And then there's some tops. Uh, these are actually really legit 1981. So his second year tops card, the super action for 350, or you can make an offer. But just look how off center it is. You know, these are in the running for me. I'm just not going to pull trigger because look at how off centered it is. It's a Beckett 10 auto, iconic card, but just um, the card grade itself is questionable to me. 350 bucks is considerable amount of money and then the and then the actual base card from that year cool slab beckett witnessed auto we know it's we know it's real but just it's horribly cut <laughs> by the by the print shop at tops that year unfortunately horribly cut card would not grade that high um and to spend five hundred dollars on that just seems a little high to me so um on the Irvin magic johnson auto card front um I hope this has helped you. I hope this process has helped you narrow down how you might purchase um, an autograph of an icon for your collection. And there's just one more point I wanted to make because um, you know I, I pointed out earlier that like this is the card that I was going to buy this this 1986 Fleer sticker, and you might be asking yourself, so here's one that is only $250. Here's one that is $500. Here's one that is $400. And then here's one that's 
$49. And then here's the one that I want to buy, which is $451, but it's the PSA 8. Why would I not buy the $250 one? Well, if you notice, you got to read the slabs, okay? So notice the slabs. PSA slab right here, first first thing that tipped me off to this is it says sticker. Um, but this one says trading card. And what they mean by that is they mean that the trading card was signed on the one that says trading card. And if it says sticker on the slab, it means that a sticker was signed and put on the trading card. And so remember, only ultra modern cards really have stickers put on the cards by the trading card company. So we're looking at a 1986 card that happens to be a sticker, but don't get it confused. Basically what someone did here is they took a sticker signed by Magic and they put it on this card, which ha also happens to be a sticker. They submitted that to PSA. PSA then slabbed it, but wisely put sticker on it letting you know that it's the sticker that's signed and not the card. So this is inherently far less valuable than the on-card autos. And so that's why if you go to buy one of these that might be still available after I buy the one that I want, um, I would recommend spending $399 for the on-card autograph of uh, the sticker versus the sticker on sticker uh, pay the extra, pay the extra less than $200 to get the on-card auto, right? Because, um, in 10 to 20 years from now, people are going to be, you know, I mean, far less than 10 to 20 years from now, I would say 10 to 20 months from now, people are going to be, be really examining on-card auto versus sticker auto and the value associated with them. So, all right. 33 minutes later, throughout all of my research, um, we're going to go ahead and buy the, we're going to treat ourselves to the Urban Magic Johnson on sticker auto PSA 8 auto 10 for what I say only $451.99. This will be the most I've ever spent on any one particular sports card. But I think it's an iconic one for my collection. And I think in the long term, I'll be very, very happy to be touting this. All right. My order is in. I should get it in one week, one week from today. The total, only $4 shipping. So $455.99. Uh, really excited about this purchase. And it's going to my PWCC vault. So um, really excited to add. An Irvin Magic Johnson autographed Fleer sticker uh, from 1986, the iconic set. Um, I think that this is um, probably one of the ways that I'll be spending a lot of my money in the coming uh, years. I think I'm going to be far more selective about what uh, what I spend my money on and um, do this kind of deep due diligence on every single card, and I hope that this has helped you out in your search of legend vintage autos.
bold prediction, hot take. Call me stupid. Call this clickbait. Whatever. I don't care. What could be next for Antonio Brown is a celebrity boxing career, a la Nate Robinson. Uh, he'd definitely be a lightweight. He would not be fighting either of the Paul brothers. But I could see Antonio Brown stepping into the ring for a celebrity fight like Nate Robinson did. And uh, I don't know the results would be any better. But I don't think this is the end of Antonio Brown. I think that it's the end of Antonio Brown in the NFL. But I don't think this is the end of Antonio Brown. And so that brings an interesting question. Should you monitor Antonio Brown cards and potentially invest in Antonio Brown cards after they dip. Now, right now, the prices are too high. You can see here his uh, 2010 Donruss base PSA 10 is still going for around $100. I think that's way too high. I think what's interesting, though, is to monitor this. And if this card drops in value, say, all the way down to maybe less than $40. I think it could be something to pick up maybe four or five of these just in hopes that he resurrects some kind of a career along the celebrity boxing route. This could be a reason to monitor Antonio Brown cards in spite of what he has done in the NFL in terms of quitting the Buccaneers by taking his uniform off in the third quarter of week 17. All right, we can't open up 2022 without talking about the top release at the end of 2021, and that is the Bowman Draft baseball release that came out on December 30th, and now is the time to start digging in. Now is not the time necessarily to start buying, but now is the time to start digging in and following these guys. This was a draft, 2021 draft, that took place during All-Star Weekend uh, of 2021, back in July, that saw 10 shortstops taken in the top 30 picks. Shortstop is one of the most desirable, investable positions in the MLB. And so prospects and these Bowman draft prospect cards are the most desirable sets. And so when we look at the draft tracker, we see guys like Marcelo Mayer, who's probably the biggest chase, the fourth overall pick, shortstop in the Boston Red Sox organization, uh, followed by Jordan Lawler. We've got Benny Montgomery, an outfielder in the Colorado Rockies organization, Brady House, shortstop, Harry Ford catcher for the uh, Seattle Mariners organization. We've got Sale Frelick, Khalil Watson, Matt McClain, Trey Sweeney, Colson Montgomery, Max Muncy. Uh, we know that name. Max Muncy as a shortstop for the A's. That's the second Max Muncy. That's kind of funny. Uh, then we've got Carson Williams and Jay Allen, the second in the top 30 picks in terms of hitters. So uh, always, always strong to look out for many, many, many prospects. The MLB draft goes several rounds deep, of course. So we're not only looking at uh, first round guys, but we're going deep into into the draft. Uh, the Tigers took a shortstop, Isaac Pacheco, in the second round. Uh, we've got two second basemen in the, in the top of the second round for the Brewers and the Rays organization. Um, there, there even are some pitchers that people are interested in. Now, pitchers don't typically 
drive a, a lot in the hobby or or as investments, but you've got uh, Jack Leiter, who is the second overall pick, and you've got Jackson Job, uh, who is the third overall pick to the Tigers. So um, some high-drafted pitchers, 10 highly-drafted shortstops, a lot of other sluggers to look out for. And so I just wanted to acknowledge as a sports card investor that you're going to want to go through this draft tracker, and you're going to want to go to eBay and look at listings like the Marcelo Mayer refractor listing. Uh, there's 16 hours left as we record on that listing, 11 bids, $34. Um, I just searched 2021 uh, Bowman Draft. And you're going to want to look for maybe some, you know, look at what some of these autos are going for on the secondary market. Look at what some of these refractors and variations. Here's a Jordan Lawler uh, listing, although, you know, you got to be careful on what the listing says. Uh, you know, getting into breaks on a lot of these would be interesting. You should check out our guys over at Wild Cards Box Breaks on Facebook. Uh, my co-host Kendall McKee is going to be on the show sometime this month to talk more specifically about the Bowman uh, Bowman Draft set in 2021 and who who the top chases are. And then eventually, as the months go by, we will look back on this set and we will um, tell you when good times are to, to kind of buy the dip or buy the low on certain guys. But but anything named Marcelo Mayer right now uh, on, on any kind of refractor, I think if, if you're able to get that for less than 50 bucks at this point, uh, it's probably an interesting play. I think any auto, if you're drafting an auto, if you're getting an auto, like here's Jay Allen I was telling you about. I think he was uh, drafted at the end of the first round. Um, yeah, Jay Allen, Cincinnati outfielder, straight out of high school in Florida. Here's a Jay Allen on card auto. Um, that's an interesting one to potentially bid on. So I just think, you know, uh, if you're pumped about baseball, you probably already know a lot about this. If you're just getting back into the hobby and you want to get into baseball cards, definitely this is the set to get into. This is the set for baseball card investors that will hold value long-term and that will uh, be the most investable set. And it's an exciting thing that it's already out uh, before the baseball season starts. And great job by Tops and Bowman to get this out and uh, – you know, go to the 2021 draft tracker on MLB.com. Check out uh, JustBaseball.com. They do a great job on their top 100 board. And then uh, go to eBay and and Google some of the listings on these guys. Don't overpay because there's a lot of hype right now. But I think uh, towards the end of this month into February, you might be able to get some better pricing on them. And um, yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have Kendall on soon to talk about uh, more in depth about this set. So if you go to sportscardstrategy.com, you can click on the link to join our Facebook group. I will accept you, and then you can ask questions that will get answered on the show. And so Ben Albury, one of our newest members, has asked the question in our Facebook group for Sports Card Strategy. Uh, new to the group, thanks for accepting me. With the backlog on PSA grading and other grading companies coming out, how do you rank the value of PSA Beckett and other companies like CSG? And then we had some uh, good answers from our readers. Uh, Tam 
Nguyen said, um, from a resale point of view, number one PSA, number two BGS, number three SGC, although Vintage would go number two over BGS, and then CSG. And then he adds that he likes CSG for his PC nowadays uh, because of the price. So I actually couldn't have put it any better myself, Tam. Uh, And then we had John Dudley kind of rank them, PSA, SGC, BGS, the rest. Um, and so what I just want to add to this is, um, I don't, I look at this as two separate questions and I think that this, the waters get muddied a lot on a lot of other sports card podcasts and sports card content. So I want to, uh, clearly define the two separate questions. So one question is who should I submit my cards to, to have them graded if they're raw right now to, increase the chances that they would have value on the secondary market. To me, the only answer is SGC. The only answer is SGC. And that's strictly because um, for $30 a card, uh, that is a viable price to pay. And you get your cards back still in a quick enough time period to where the card really still has the same relevance that it did when you had it graded. So PSA, you'd have to pay $100 for that right now. Um, and there is no other option uh, lower than a hundred dollars to get your cards back. So because that's such a wide margin, it's a $70 differential. And so that's $70, like you don't make $70 on a lot of these transactions from a profit standpoint. So that's why I think SGC is really the only option. I think CSG does not have the resale value, nor will it. Um, and so if I'm getting my cards graded, I'm only sending them to SGC right now. Uh, the exception is that if you hit like a incredible banger and, um, you know, the raw value of that card is already like $500. And so sending it to PSA for $100 makes more sense than sending it to SGC for $30. That'd be the only exception to that. Now, the second question though that's different is when you're buying cards on the secondary market, which is what I talk about mostly on the show. Mostly on on the sports card strategy show, I talk about um, buying singles on the secondary market on eBay or my slabs or whatever. And so in that case, here's my philosophy. I consider PSA 10, SGC 10, and BGS 9.5 all equal investments. I They're all gem mint and they're all reputable grading companies that have a strong resale market. Like there are people out there that will buy your SGC slabs. Everyone will buy your PSA slabs and um, there's mostly everyone will buy your BGS slabs. And so they're all gem mint. And because they're all gem mint, um, I kind of look at it like ideally I want a PSA 10, but if I see a BGS 9.5 for a significant price break, like if I see it for say 30% less in the same card than the PSA 10, then I make the assumption that that's a great investment because it's still a gem mint and there are BGS enthusiasts out there that will pay top dollar. So there's kind of profit margin built in. SGC, same thing. So if I see an SGC 10, my assumption is that uh, I'm going to be paying less than a PSA 10, but there might be some SGC enthusiasts out there that are willing to make up that difference for me. So there's kind of profit margin built in. 
and also that SGC slabs values will continue to rise because the acceptability factor will only be more and more positive because SGC really has been grading more cards. And uh, although it might be you know flooding the market, I think what that does is it creates more of an acceptability factor for the SGC brand. So I think that uh, hopefully that, that second question you see as different than the first question and that it all makes sense. And I'd love your feedback on this. So drop a comment below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, tweet at no offseason card if you're listening on the podcast. And definitely go to sportscardstrategy.com and click to join the Facebook group and subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right, moving along to another audience question. This one's from the YouTube channel and our guy, Chris Olivo. So Chris uh, was talking on one of the YouTube videos about uh, the Hall of Fame vote, which is about to be wrapped up here soon. And and if you don't know, uh, this is the last year on the ballot for Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. And it's the first year on the ballot for David Ortiz and uh, Alex Rodriguez. And the reason why that's all significant is because they're all uh, performance-enhancing drug guys, right, for lack of a better term. And so um, Chris is talking about wanting to buy Clemens and Bonds cards in the hopes that they get into the Hall of Fame, but wondering if he should do it now because really the only spike would happen after the announcement, which is imminent. And so my point to him is that um, I would wait. I would wait a couple years because I just think that these guys, their cards are always going to be available and there's always going to be controversy surrounding them. And it's almost like, uh, irrelevant that Bonds and Clemens uh, make the Hall of Fame because the hype on them is now and the card market is all about the hype. And so um, the hype being now just indicates that it's a bad time to buy. It just that It's that simple. So I, I told Chris in my reply on the YouTube video that that's what I would do. Um, I would encourage him to buy, but I would wait until they're more forgotten about. And that includes when they're uh, in the Hall of Fame, but two years from now, they'll be forgotten about. It's the same thing as if they aren't in the Hall of Fame and two years from now, they, uh, they'll they be forgotten about. So I think that um, now is not the time to buy any of those guys for sure, especially Clemens and Bonds. So um, wait, add them to your PC later. And I actually do think you know they could be long-term investments. Again, thanks for asking your questions, everybody. Please go to sportscardstrategy.com and subscribe to the YouTube channel and the Facebook page. All right, it's a very exciting time for me because as we record this show, we're less than two days away from the first pro uniform release of the 2021-2022 NBA draft class with Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddy, the list goes on and on. I'm very, very excited about this year's rookie class. And this is the first release uh, in their pro uniforms. And so the hobby box are available on PaniniAmerica.net. Uh, they don't have a price yet, but anticipated price for this is around $250. Uh, they should also be available in retail. So... I don't know much about the actual set itself, but what I do want to say about this release is that what you're going to see happen is you're going to see a lot of hype. You're going to see a lot of cards being sent off for grading, and you're going to see a lot of low pop counts. 
And that's all great for the long term. Uh, but what you need to do in the short term is not buy these cards. As high as I've been on the NBA draft class this year, and as much as I've talked up these guys and how much I will be buying them in the future, now is not the time to buy them. Do not get caught up in the hype because the reality is this is the first of many NBA releases. There are going to be Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, etc., rookie cards, Jonathan Kaminga. All these guys are going to be have having rookie cards come out for literally the next 14 months. Like looking at LaMelo and Anthony Edwards class as an example, hoops came out and uh, hoops came out a year ago and they're still coming out. They're still coming out with releases with LaMelo and Anthony Edwards rookie cards. And so um, what you need to do here is, you know, if you want to buy a box just because you're a collector, I don't fault you for that. That's amazing. But don't buy these cards as an investment for sealed wax. Don't buy these cards in singles yet. I think what you need to do is wait until the hype dies down and almost wait until the prices drop and stabilize, which can take several months after a release because, um, when Donruss comes out, these hoops cards are going to uh, plummet in value. And then when Prism comes out, the Donruss and the hoops are going to plummet in value, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to happen all the way through Optics, Select, and all that. So what I would recommend you do, get excited, be a fan, buy a box if you want, but don't think that it's really going to pay off from an investment standpoint. Uh, and then maybe buy some singles. Um, when the prices stabilize on eBay and set a budget, you know, set a budget. Like if there's a guy that you really, really want, um, that's fine. Like if you want one of the first ever Cade Cunningham NBA hoops rookie cards, that's fine. But like give yourself a budget for that. Don't overpay. And if you don't get it, then don't worry about it because there's going to be plenty more opportunities to get plenty more of these NBA rookie cards. All right, that's a wrap for the Sports Card Strategy Show. We're starting off the year with a bang. Coming up in the next couple episodes, we will have some co-hosts to help me break things down. And I'd like to say a special thank you to the sponsor of today's show, marketmoversapp.com by Sports Card Investor, the number one place to track the data of your entire collection and your investments. Learn who to buy low and when to sell them high. Save 20% at marketmoversapp.com by using the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase. And when you combine that with our sports card investment report at nooffseason.com slash invest, you have the best toolkit to make money on your sports card investments. I'm Paul Hickey with nooffseason.com. Thanks for listening to the Sports Card Strategy Show, everybody. Have a great day.